What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 18 of the Gino Spirito podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 10th. I hope you all are having a great hump day, middle of the week. Um, for me personally, it's my the end of my week, um, school slash work. Um, but this week is actually uh, my fraternity's recruitment week. I think I've mentioned that before, so... I uh, still have a few more events to do throughout the um, the rest of this week before we uh, give out our our bids. So, um, you know, still a little bit of work to do, um, plus plenty of homework. But, you know, it's good to not have any more classes or really worry about any more work um, for the rest of the week. Um, but, yeah, I hope you all, like I said, are having a great week. And uh, let's just get into this. I, I wanted to start with some Lakers news. Um, we haven't we haven't talked about the Lakers in a little in the past couple ones due to uh, obviously the Super Bowl and everything with the NFL. But um, we have actually gotten two back to back overtime wins. Um, obviously on Saturday we played the Pistons and we won in double overtime, uh, one thirty five to one twenty nine. Um, LeBron, of course. Uh, Played 46 minutes, uh, 33 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds in that one. Anthony Davis also had 30. Uh, Dennis Schroeder followed with some uh, 22 as well. And then on Monday, uh, we played the Thunder and beat them in overtime, 119 to 112. Um, you know, this is a game that LeBron had another triple-double. He had 28, 14, and 12. Um, you know, after the game... He said that uh, he was just ready to go. He's 36. His heart is not suitable, sustainable for another uh, overtime game. And he has a bottle of wine that he's been ready to uh, be cracked open. I thought that was um, pretty funny, um, especially I can't remember the last time the Lakers had back-to-back overtime games. And, I mean, even overtime wins. So it's good to, good to see them good to see them get uh, two back-to-back wins. Um of course, in that second game, uh, we were out, we were without Alex Crusoe and Anthony Davis, so a little bit more of a burden on LeBron. Um, but Dennis Shooter stepped up in this one, had 19-7 and five. Uh, Montrez Harrell had 21-8 and two. Wesley Matthews as well stepped up, had 16 in this game. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it, I feel like the biggest difference between this year and last year is. Just this effort that we're getting from everybody, I feel like, um, you know, I know we have some key, some key new pieces uh, that have been added to our team, but I feel like, um, you know, right now, our biggest issue is probably playing down to the level of uh, competition that we are playing. I know the NBA, no game is uh, given, no game is easy. I'm not trying to say anything, but there's a reason why the Pistons are last in the East. There's a reason why. Um, you know, some of these other teams are in first, um, but I feel like the Lakers' biggest issue is definitely playing down to those those levels. I know, I'm not talking about OKC. I know we had Anthony Davis and Alex Russo out, but um, that's the second time that the Pistons, I mean, we the Pistons beat us by 15 a couple weeks ago, and uh, for them to come back in the fourth and push it to overtime, two overtimes, uh, says a lot um, about that. Uh, but... You know, I mean, over the over the last eight games, LeBron has uh, been averaging 29-9-8 and eight, uh, on 53% field goal percentage. And he's also shooting his best three-point percentage um, of the year at 
um, percent. I mean, not of the year of his career at forty one percent. Um, and that also uh, in that span, the Lakers have been sits into so nothing to really um i wouldn't necessarily be scared about or nothing that is too um too big of concern i think um what it comes down to is i think the biggest thing just to point out like i said is is the fact that the lakers were in this bubble uh literally the longest amount of time uh you know compared to all the other teams in the NBA. So I'm not too surprised with, um, you know, some of these uh, close games that maybe were blowouts last year. And you add the fact that, um, you know, LeBron, and um, he's, he's uh, actually averaging only 34.5 minutes per game, which is actually more than Ben, ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Zion, Trey Young, DeAndre, uh, De'Aaron Fotts, even Donovan Mitchell, and that's his lowest career minutes per game of his entire career. Yeah, he's still playing more minutes than those guys. Um, you know, we also have uh, people are um, saying that um, Anthony Davis hasn't been playing up to the level that um, he did last year. Um, I mean, he is averaging four less points at 22 uh, points per game, but he is shooting 3% higher in field goal percentage. And he's just about the same with his rebounds and assists. So I don't really understand where the concern is. Um, I feel like he's had some great outings. I mean, we saw him uh, in his homecoming game against the Bulls go off. Um, and, we, you know, we've seen him be consistent as he always is. You're not just averaging 22 um, without being consistent. You know what I mean? So I don't really know where that whole entire, um, you know, I guess, not persona, but just uh, where that uh, quote or anything is coming from about Anthony Davis uh, not playing up to the level that he can be. Um, I mean, if you take the final four teams in the bubble from last year, you got the Lakers, who are currently second in the West at 19 and sits. Then you have the Nuggets, who are currently seventh in the West at 12 and 11. Then you have Boston at fourth in the East at 12 and 11. And you have the Heat who are 10th in the East at 10 and 14. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, comparing those four teams, you can clearly see that the Lakers have been playing the best, um, obviously. And like I said, they were all, you know, not excluding the, uh, the uh, Boston and uh, Denver. Um, you know, the Lakers and Miami were in the bubble for a total of 96 days. And then they have 71 days as an offseason. And then, boom, right back into it. So I feel like people have to take into account that it's, you know, that plus the new additions to our team, I feel like take a lot of pressure off of LeBron and AD. And I don't feel like he necessarily, I mean, at least early on in the season, you know, we're still only 25 games into the season. He doesn't have to do nearly as much uh, right now, and he can still kind of, uh, get his feet back under him, especially in, in, on top of LeBron as well. I mean, like I just said, LeBron is um, averaging his lowest career minutes per game. Obviously, these past two overtime games does not help um, with those at all. But, um, you know, we're still trying to uh, mesh with these new guys. And I feel like for the most part, it's been going tremendous. I mean, 
There's a reason why we're second in the West. There's a reason why we're 19 and sits. Uh, only a game behind Utah, who's been playing phenomenal basketball lately. Um, you know, so I just have no doubt that um, AD and uh, the rest of the team will, will start to hit their stride later in the season as well. I feel like we're kind of in a stride right now. Like we are 19 and sits. We are playing pretty good basketball, but uh, not to the level that we are capable of. You know, we're we're letting games like the Pistons and the Thunder go into overtime and stuff. So I feel like it's not a huge concern. Of course, if this was the playoffs in the first round and we're barely beating the the team that uh, you know we were playing first, that would be a little concerning. Um, and I, you know, of course, there'd be more. Uh, there'd be a higher level of uh, we need to go now and we need to go into attack mode. But, you know, I just still feel like it's early in the season. I still feel like um, the team is still trying to get the vibe of each other. And I feel like um, we're getting there. You know, you could see these these great connections uh, forming in front of our eyes, uh, you know, with uh, I mean, I personally think the best connection of this year is coming from two guys that weren't even on the team last year with Trez and uh, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, you see this pick and roll action. Trez in the low post area is just is he's unstoppable one on one. Dennis Schroeder is just more crafty than I I am I even remembered whenever um, you know the Lakers would play him uh, early on in his career. So I, I just feel like the additions of these these other fools and Wesley Matthews had a great night la- the other night filling in for the role of AD and Alex Crusoe, uh not playing he had 16 I think he's still trying to catch his stride he had a huge role with the Bucks and I think he's still trying to um, step into his new role um, on the Lakers as uh, I feel like a lot of guys um, may. It may be hard for a lot of guys um, in the NBA coming from a team that you're starting, uh, you're like that go-to shooter, um, and then you're coming to a team like the Lakers who have guys that can alleviate some of that pressure, that scoring, that those minutes um, from you, and you can just focus on, you know, if you're in the game for 10 to 12, uh, 14 to 16, you know, maybe 20 minutes a game. Um, instead of you know playing 25 to 30 like you used to, you can focus your energy on on that specific time that much more. I feel like that's still a transition um, for uh, Wesley Matthews. I know that Montrez and Dennis Shooter. Um, I know Dennis Shooter's starting currently, uh, so I don't think that's necessarily a problem for them. Cause and of course Montrez was the sixth man of the year, so it's nothing new to him coming off the bench. But some of these guys. Um, are they're still getting used to their new role on this team, and I feel like we're still playing tremendous basketball um, for having the amount of new additions and uh, new structure to our team overall. Um, but like I said, I have no doubt that you know when it comes to playoffs, when it comes down to you know the final uh, later half of the season, I, I just. I feel like that'll be the time when we can start panicking, when we could start raising a level of concern. Um, but at the moment, I really do not uh, feel like there's any point to do so. Um, in other NBA news, uh, you know, I think a name that was brought up so much um, going into last season was, of course, Zion Williamson. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be a New York Nick. Um, and uh, the balls rolled in the New Orleans Pelicans' favor, and they ended up getting to swoop him. Um, 
But comparing his sophomore season so far in 2020, 2021 to Anthony Davis' sophomore season uh, with the Pelicans, um, in the West, they were both 12th <laughs> for points per game. Zion's averaging 23.7. Anthony Davis was only averaging 20.8. Uh, Zion's field goal percentage is 60%. Anthony Davis was 52%. Um, and then for rebounds a game, Zion is averaging 7.2. And, and Anthony Davis uh, currently is averaging uh, 10, was, was averaging 10 back when he, it was his sophomore year. Um, you know, I feel like the Pelicans were a team I was really looking forward to seeing um, post-bubble. You know, they had that early exit. Uh, Lonzo just did not play good in the bubble. He said he'd be back, ready to go, ready to be, um, ready to just start a new season with the boys. And, um, you know, I was just excited to see this, uh, former young Laker core continue to develop, continue to see, you know, if, if they can make some shit happen really. Um, but the West is just too deep to kind of, um, you know, allow games to slip. Uh, the way the Pelicans do and not really, you know, have the level of talent to com be competing. You know, you have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Suns, the Blazers. I mean, even the Warriors. We're seeing Steph return to his MVP form and some. Um, and in order to even make the playoffs, you have to battle with these teams. You have to win these games. Um, and I feel like in order for us to fully appreciate what Zion is going to give to the game and the greatness – um, he's going to have to win these games. He's going to have to make the playoffs. He's going to have to somehow push this team to another level that they have not been in a while. I mean, even with Anthony Davis, they weren't really at a huge, you know, a, like a tier one, two, tier two team in the NBA. Um, you know, it's an, and it's unfortunate. I, I think it really reminds me not so much of, Devin Booker, I feel like the Suns even had it worse, you know, Dev, for, you know, Devin Booker's th first three, four years in the league, this man's, you know, dropping 25, 30 a game, he's, um, you know, leading this Suns team that averaged 22 wins a game in his first four years, but he was still balling out, he got his match contract, and then, boom, last year, they kind of hit a little bit of a stride with him and uh, DeAndre Aiden. They went 8-0 in the bubble. They picked up CP3 in the offseason. Now they're fourth in the West. So it's looking up for Devin, Devin Booker. But I think for Zion, um, his team overall is definitely better than that Suns team with Devin Booker who he, when he was trying to carry them. Um, and it's just surprising, man, that the Pelicans are 10th. I know, like I just said, there are so many good teams in this fucking West Conference, the Western Conference, and it's unfortunate um, that this East is just looking like uh, just there's one team or two teams I barely – I mean, there's one team that's pretty much above 500, and, uh, you know, that two through, like, seven is, like, barely or below 500, and you have this the Western Conference that's just completely stacked. So I understand that, but at the same time – I feel like if we're ever going to fully appreciate Zion and the greatness he can bring to the game, the Pelicans are going to have to start winning some damn games, and that'll be interesting to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, well, you know, let's, let's just hope for the best. Um, a guy that uh, played against Zion when they were um, in high school, um, I remember the hype around this game when they played each other in Vegas was huge. Um, LeBron literally was told not to go to this game. Uh, it's LaMelo Ball. I mean, 
uh, the set third overall pick this year, I believe, uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, you know, he is the real deal right now. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, if you guys have been following the Mellow Ball, I don't know how you have been able to if you follow NBA Twitter, but he actually joined LeBron and Luka as the only players that were 19 and younger to have multiple games of 20 points per game. or I mean, not 20 points per game, but 20 points, 10 assists, and 5 rebounds in a game. He's now done that multiple times. He tied the franchise record for the Hornets with seven threes the other night, and he wasn't even able to warm up due to some COVID protocols. Uh, some issues with his test. They didn't quite know if it was negative or positive because it got lost in transit or something like that. Um, but since he's been starting, he's averaging 22.6 points per game, six rebounds, 6.6 assists, and four threes a game. And he leads all the rookies in total points, rebounds, assists, and steals. He has this Hornets team currently at sits in the East. They're, you know, they're sitting at with a 12 and 13 record. But I feel like the difference between the Hornets right now and some of these other teams in the East is just the swag that they're playing with, the swag that LaMelo brings to them, the energy that he's bringing to this team. You see how these guys feed off of his energy, off of his just the confidence that he has every single time he takes a shot that it's going to go in. He plays with the, I don't know, he's definitely one of just those guys that you can just tell he has the utmost confidence in every single shot he's taking. And they just look like they're having fun, man. I wouldn't be surprised if they could push, you know, push for, um, I'd say, you know, realistically, the, the Hornets are looking at a 4-8 through eight seed in the East if they play up to the standard they can. I mean, I know they have Gordon Hayward. I know they have uh, Terry Rozier. I know they have uh, uh, Miles Bridges. They have some key guys if they all can play together and play, you know, the way they have been. They just feel it feels like they ride for each other in a different type of way that you don't really quite see um, in the NBA sometimes in the NFL. Like some of these major sports teams, that's you know those teams that win, those teams that uh, you know make it to the end are standing uh, when it is go time to play for that championship. Those teams love each other. Those teams ride for each other, and you can see that in the. The Hornets already, you know, they may not have the most talent when you're talking about like the Nets or the Lakers or the Clippers, but, you know, they ride for each other. They fuck with each other. And that goes a long way. Trust me. Um, so, yeah, shout out to LaMelo. I love the way he has the Hornets playing and I'm really excited to uh, see what he continues to do in his rookie season. It'll be interesting to see if he continues to start. Um, I mean, he's been... Um, you know, doing a phenomenal job since he's uh, been put into that starting uh, starting point guard role. But we'll see if that continues. Um, but like like I said, this Hornets team doesn't have as much talent. Um, but there's just so much fun to watch, and it should be should be very fun uh, moving forward into the season. Um, speaking of the Eastern Conference, still the Nets actually lost their third straight uh, game to uh, the Detroit Pistons. 122 to 111 last night and now they are 7 and 11 7 and 11 versus teams that have records below 500 um they of course remain without KD um until Friday at the earliest due to uh covid protocols um this game just wasn't good for them uh uh, it just remind it, it, I kind of laughed cuz um the Pistons are just giving everybody which I'm pretty sure they're I don't know how many wins excuse me, the Pistons have, but when the Lakers were playing the Pistons, I remember they said that I think it was 
more than half, about like 60 or 70% of their wins right now um, are against teams that have a record of above 500. I mean, they probably have like six wins, but so like four or five of those wins are above te- are teams above 500. So I just thought it was interesting that, of course, they were the team to beat the Nets. Um, but Andre, uh, what's it called? DeAndre Jordan and James Harden seemed visibly frustrated with each other in the first quarter um, about defense early. Uh, Kyrie looks frustrated on the bench. Um, you know, it, it just it got out of hand um, pretty fast for them. And uh, th- they just had no response to this Pistons team. Um, they still ranked last in defensive rate uh, efficiency since this James Harden trade. Um, you know, against teams that are 500 or better, um, they're seven and one. They are holding opponents to 110 points a game. Uh, they're plus 12 in point differential. They're holding opponents to only 44%, um, you know, from the, from the fields. But then when they play teams that are below 500, like I just said, they're seven and 11. They are allowing these teams to score 122 points per game. The point... Uh, points per game differential is minus one, and uh, their opponent field goal percentage is 48. Um, so definitely not some stats that you would like to see as a uh, Brooklyn Nets team that has the star power that they do. Um, but Kyrie Irving came out today and said that he believes the team just needs to turn the corner. And I, I believe the same thing. You know, there's just no way that this team doesn't figure it out outside of these uh, starting, I, I'd say, that first seven on the team. I know their bench needs some work. Um but there's just no way that they don't figure this shit out. You know, they, they, there's just too many guys on that team that have playoff experience that are just so damn good. They have, you know, three guys that are probably top 15 players in the NBA. You know, Kevin Durant's probably, you know, top three. Um, you know, Kyrie and James Harden easily probably, yeah, top 15 players. So, yeah, you got guys that are great guys. Um and I just feel like this team will be great, um, and they're gonna be fine. They just gotta figure it out. They gotta mesh together. They gotta uh, figure out how they're gonna accommodate for not really having a bench. You know, that's gonna be something they're either gonna have to address before the trade line, or the trade deadline, or they just deal with it the rest of the season and play a certain way of basketball. Um, some other guys maybe step up. We'll see. But they currently sit in third in the East at 14 and 12, uh, which is pretty ridiculous that they're third at, with a 14 and 12 record, but. You know, I don't think it's really necessarily time to panic. Uh, they're still up there, and there's still plenty of time. Um, but let's get into some music news. Um, of course, following his Super Bowl performance, the weekend's catalog is actually up 385% in U.S. sales um, following, like I just said, the Super Bowl performance. Uh, as he also just recently released uh, his album, which is titled The Highlights, uh, which contains 18 of his biggest songs um, in his career. Um, you know, it's it's just something that you can really root for, Something, somebody that you can really root for. I mean, this man was homeless, uh, but he still pursued his dreams, slept on multiple, you know, so many friends' couches, and, you know, he never gave up, created, and is the face of Etso, and boom, he performs at the biggest stage in the Super Bowl. You know, you, you could just see how happy he was this entire performance, and it was just, it was something to... Um, Something to just be, like I said, somebody to root for, somebody that uh, just makes great music at the end of the day. Like, you know, you don't have to be the biggest weekend fan, but you can't deny the success that he's had commercially. Um, 
you know, in the music industry, there's just so many songs uh, throughout his catalog that he performs, even in the Super Bowl, like, he, he only performed two songs after, off After Hours, and the other sits were from multiple other eras that he's, you know, put music out, and um, it, it's just remarkable the success he's had and the story that he's um, been able to tell, and it's it's only getting started, I feel like, and I think... Um, Come a few years from now, we'll we'll be able to be talking about the even more success that the weekend has had, and it's just remarkable. But uh, shout out to shout out to Abel for sure. Um, another news: uh, Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack actually got um, announced as this movie will be releasing this Friday. This soundtrack um, that is executive produced by Hip Boy. Um, Dash uh, Sherrod, and then the executive producer Ryan Coogler, uh, is Pat. Let me fucking tell you, it is Pat. Uh, it has um, every song is it's. It reminds me of you know just like like if if anybody has not seen a movie soundtrack before, uh, most songs are by uh, different you know different artists. It's not really common. We see um, in a soundtrack to a movie be like the same artist it's like their album um we'll get into uh the three-year anniversary of kendrick lamar's black panther album but that was probably uh one of the most unique soundtracks as kendrick had his own little you know thing on every song but um for the most part whenever we talk about soundtracks um each song has a different artist that's uh, their song and it is packed man we have song we have a song from her we have a Nas. we have new Nas. Um, we have a track with Nipsey and Jay-Z. It was uh, actually in the trailer for the movie, and it sounded absolutely fucking fire. Um, we got Hit Boy. Uh, we got BJ the Chicago Kid. We got Saba. We got Lil Durk, uh, G Herbo, Polo G. Um, and, of course, none other than Lord uh, Lord Pretty Flacco, Jordy ASAP Rocky. Um, I am just so excited for this soundtrack. I am so excited to um watch this movie it actually looks extremely interesting um as um for those of you who don't know like i said it comes out this friday it is actually about um the portrayal of the black party panther chairman of the late 1960s fred hampton um at the hands of william o'neill who was actually an african-american fbi informant um i actually studied the black panther party um a couple semesters back in my african-american history courses um but i um, never heard of william o'neill and how he portrayed fred hampton i know who fred hampton is but um i'm excited to uh, watch this movie i think it'll be very fucking good and i'm excited to listen to the soundtrack just as much um but yeah let's like i like i said before um yesterday was actually the last project that we have it's the anniversary of the last project that we have actually gotten from kendrick which was the black panther album of course um you know this uh, album was grammy nominated um and kendrick just did his thing everywhere you know he had solo songs he had features he had just ad libs um you know you name it every single song Kendrick put his mark on it in some way, shape, or form, and I've never, ever seen an artist do something like that. You know, you, you always see, you know, artists have features, or you see an artist have their full album, but you never seen artists do what Kendrick did on that shit, and it's remarkable what he did. It was 100% Grammy uh, nominated for a reason, even though fuck the Grammys till the day I die. 
Um, but, you know, I, I would love to see where he decides to go next. I really um, would love a new Kendrick project. I know that um, a couple months back there were, a vi there were some videos of uh, Kendrick shooting a music video, but it's been a few months now and still no word from his camp or anything from uh, TDE about when new music is dropping for him. Of course, SZA and Isaiah Rashad seem to be the next uh, artist in TDE who are going to be dropping soon. So, um, just as excited for them. Um, but man, oh man, it's crazy to think that it's been already three years since the Black Panther album dropped and since that movie came out. What a um, what a moment in um, film history and um, just uh, for black culture especially. I... I I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies by far. Um, you know, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, The Black Panther. Uh, but yeah, what a, what a movie, what an album, what a soundtrack. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kendrick Lamar has up his sleeve next because you, we all know that this man always has something up his sleeve. Um, but for some, um, for some NFL news, um, you know, on a lighter notes, unfortunately, um, former Chargers head coach uh, Marty Schottenheimer uh, passed away at uh, 77 due to Alzheimer's. Um, you know, he finished uh, his uh, legendary coaching career um, at eighth all-time in um, coaching wins as he um, was 200, 126, and one. In 21 season of coach, 21 seasons of coaching, obviously, um, you know, his last season was uh, with that Chargers, uh, his best his best team, 14 and two in 2006. But uh, you know, he was known for uh, his Marty Ball uh, running it down those uh, his opponents' throats, having that great defense complement his uh, running game. Um, and this allowed you know his teams to win 10 plus games in 11 of his seasons. Um, and like I said, his best team was that Chargers team in, in 06, uh, being the number one seed in the AFC and uh, finishing at 14-2. and two. Of course, um, that was followed by Marlon McCree fumbling the fucking game away and not allowing us to move on and probably win the fucking Super Bowl. But it's fine. I'm not mad about it still. It's fine. Um, but yeah, sad sad that uh, in the playoffs his teams were only 5-13. and 13, But, um, you know, remarkable man. Uh, remarkable coach. You see all these guys: Nick Hardwick, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Sean Merriman, uh, Sean Phillips. I, you know, that's that's just five of the few coaches. I mean, not coaches. The five of the few players that played for him that came out and uh, released a full statement regarding um, Marty Schottenheimer and the impacts that he had on their careers. Um, but yeah, condolences to everybody and his family. Um, as he, like I just said, you can see the impact he had on not only uh, the players he coached, but the loved ones he had, and um, just very sad, very unfortunate. But um, it's life, and that's you know that's just what happens. So, like I said, condolences to his family. Um, in other NFL news, uh, Russell Wilson actually came out. And said that he was frustrated with the amount of times he's been getting hit in Seattle. Um, he believes that, um, what's it called? They've been definitely getting calls in regards to um, trade interest from other teams. And um, at the end of the day, he just wants uh, more, 
dialogue to happen between him and the front office in regards to um, player personnel and, um, you know, the moves that uh, the front office are making. He believes that uh, he has um, the right to kind of know and have a say in that, which is extremely understandable. I mean, won a Super Bowl in his second year starting, um, barely lost in that uh, unfortunate ending in his third year to Tom Brady. And it seems like Seattle really hasn't been the same team since. Um, but that doesn't take away from the remarkable seasons they've had. Of course, they've made the playoffs throughout the course of um, the past few, you know, several years. Um, they just haven't made it back to that um, Super Bowl yet. Um, but, I mean, Russell Wilson definitely has a reason to be upset. I mean, he's been sapped 100 more times than any other quarterback since being drafted. Um, and he has been pressured 215 times uh, more than any other quarterback since he's been in the league. Um, yeah, so it's definitely understandable. And like I said, he, he just, like in his quote, he said, like any other player, you never want to get hit. And that's, of course, the reality of my position. Um, but at the same time, it's part of um, the job, and I think the reality is that I've definitely been hit, and I've definitely been sacked um, a lot more than most of these guys, and I've got to find ways to be better as well as management. Um, of course, um, like I mentioned, he believes that there have been has been some dialogue in regards uh, to a possible uh, trade interest, um, as he did. Um, he does have three years left on his uh, four-year, $140 million extension that he signed back in April of 2019. Um, that contract, like Deshaun Watson's contract, has a no-trade clause that uh, Russell Wilson would have to waive. Um, if he, trading him before June 1st would actually result in um, $30 million in dead money for their uh, salary cap for 2021. So I don't think if there would be a trade, it would happen until after that. Um but, uh, you know, his uh, 47 sats last year alone were uh, third in the NFL behind only Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Um, he's been sapped five more, five more times and pressured on 50% of his dropbacks in um, uh, their wildcard loss against that uh, number one defense of the Rams. Um, you know... They the Seahawks are um, since since 2014 since their 2014 uh, campaign like I just said when uh, they lost to Tom Brady, um, they're they're they were uh, ninth best in uh, the blocked win rate. But this past season, um, they were uh, second to last. So that's another thing that um, is probably got Russell Wilson frustrated and upset. But I really cannot see Seattle trading him. I feel like this is something that the both parties will definitely be able to work through as we get into the um, next two seasons. I mean, if Russell Wilson were to walk or uh, go to another team, I think it'll be via his contract ending or something like that. So we'll see. Um, but um, in other news, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually celebrated their Super Bowl win on a boat parade. Uh, seemed like an exciting day. Seemed like Tom Brady got extremely drunk, <laughs> which was surprising. Uh, he was throwing the Lombardi from boat to boat. Um, hopefully he doesn't spread COVID as much as this Super Bowl possibly did as well. But uh, looked like the players and the fans were all into it. Um, 
Of course, this um, comes after the Super Bowl win, like I said, where we saw Leonard Fournette break um, the touchdown record for most in a single postseason. Um, we saw Tom Brady um, play remarkable off play action and just have a, a tremendous game. So definitely understandable as to why this team was excited and um, why Tom was just throwing this Lombardi from boat to boat. Um, but on the other side of, uh, of the ball, we have uh, Patrick Mahomes um, actually undergoing a surgery to repair a torn plantar plate in his foot. Um, this rehab will take several months, so um, hopefully, you know, we can see Patrick Mahomes back in the field healthy. Of course, it uh, uh, doesn't really help the Chargers case too much um, with Patrick Mahomes in our division, but you never want to see a man uh, go out the way um, of injury, via injury. So hopefully that man can recover and be uh, as healthy as possible. But that's all I have for today. I hope you all, like I said, had a great Wednesday. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be able to uh, hopefully get most of this homework done before my recruitment event tonight. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, to see what we can do. But, like I said, I hope you all uh, have a great rest of your week. Um, you know, finish anything you got to do. Uh, just get through it. Get to that Friday. And boom, it's the weekend again. And uh, yeah, it's been Gino Spirito as always. Um, I will see you all soon. Thank you.